Hey friend, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I'm a therapist who loves to draw you closer to Jesus and offer practical tools to help you walk confidently in who you are in Christ. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always 15 minutes or less. And every other Wednesday, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around until the end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. In case you missed it, my book, Image Restored, released last month. You can learn more about the book and access a private community at imagerestoredbook.com. And if you've already purchased it, can you consider leaving an Amazon review? It helps other readers find this resource and also just really blesses me. So I appreciate those of you who have already done it. I also appreciate all of you who have ordered the book. In case you don't know, the book has hit number one new release in that bestseller category in a couple different categories on Amazon. And that is because of your support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today's guest is a fellow author with my publishing house, Esther Press, which is an imprint of David C. Cook. Let me introduce you to my friend. Rebecca George is the founder of Radical Radiance, a podcast community where listeners are encouraged and equipped to radiate the heart of Jesus in their life, work, and relationships. She's an author, speaker, and podcaster whose greatest joy in life is discipling others to pursue their passions in a way that builds the kingdom. A proud University of Tennessee graduate, Rebecca spends her free time running outdoors, writing, or trying a new recipe with Garth Brooks playing in the background. You will love Rebecca, so please help me welcome her to the show. Well, hello, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so happy to be here with you. I love technology that we can just connect across the way in different time zones, and um, it's just fun. Yeah. I know. All right. So I am excited to introduce my listeners to you because I was trying to remember how we met. I know I've gotten to know you better because we're with the same publishing house, but is that how we met? I remember the first time we met in person was at Spark a few years back. I had followed you for the longest time. And I think we had chatted back and forth on, again, the power of technology. We had met online, but then... I remember you had signed a contract with David C. Cook and I was real close to signing my contract at that point. So I remember thinking like, I don't really feel like I can share that yet, but we're probably going to be with the same publisher. And so it was, it was so fun to get to see then. And yeah, it's just been a blast getting to walk this path with you. So I'm so thankful. Yeah, I am too. And I love how the Lord just sends the people that we need when we step out and we're obedient and then he sends them. And you've been one of those people for me. Um, every step of the way, I've been, ab- been able to send you a Voxer message and be like, Rebecca, what do I do now? Let's or, you know, yes. <laughs> or celebrate together or whatever. Yeah. It's just been really fun. And then it's also been fun. Our books are releasing just one month apart from each other and we're getting yes. to just cheer each other on and 
I just, it makes me super happy. So before we talk about your book, I do want to ask, I ask, and I know, I know people load this question, but I refuse to stop asking it. Uh, Tell us a (laughs) random fun fact, whatever about you that I would not have just read in your professional bio. Okay. I'm going to give you the first thing that came to my mind when I read this question earlier. In the last couple of years, I have started making clay jewelry which I know is like a 2020 trend that everybody started doing it in the middle of the pandemic when we were all at home. But the thing that I think has been so sweet about that hobby or part of my calling or what, you know, whatever is we work with our minds so much in writing and speaking. And I actually find it really restful to do something with my hands and to create something. And so on the weekends, like for instance, this is a Friday when we're recording, I'm really looking forward to working on some things this weekend. And so that has just been something in the process of writing this book and walking down this path that I found to be really restful is just creating in a different way, just something with my hands. So I'm loving that. I can, I can very much relate to that. I've recently, this is, I mean, I don't know that you can call it a hobby. I've gotten back into doing Sudoku. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. And then uh, I have a dream of once we get moved into our new house, starting a garden. Oh, so fun. Yeah. 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 And, and in a different way, it's it's like watching something grow that is outside of the work that we do is just really, I don't know, just powerful. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, let's talk now about your book and actually I had this question for you, and I was going to ask it later, but it seems just organic to talk about it here. First of all, your book is called Do the Thing. Tell us a tiny bit about, I always like to hear how authors came to write a book, because usually you had to walk it out yourself first. (laughs) So your heart behind this message. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So probably about 10 years ago, my mom went through a cancer journey, which praise the Lord, she's almost 10 years on the other side of now, which we're so thankful for. But in that season, God led me to start a nonprofit that I led for several years. I don't even know if we have like exchanged this story before. So, so yeah, we donated handmade hats and handwritten letters of encouragement to cancer patients in treatment centers all across the country for many years. So we did work with St. Jude and MD Anderson, and it was an incredible season of ministry. And I say that to say there were doors open where I'd get to speak and share what God was doing. And um, in a way I was in that season, living out my thing that God had called me to do. And as you'll relate to this after I would get done speaking, you know, you get to talk with women and and hear how God's speaking to them. And that's one of my favorite parts of what we get to do. And I continued having a similar conversation with women over and over. They would come up to me and say something along the lines of, you know, I love how God is, brought this ministry opportunity about through what your mom went through. And I actually have my own version of that. I feel my heart stirred toward this, this ministry or to get involved in this thing or to start this business. And then they would almost hush to a whisper and something would be holding them back. Maybe they're scared to start something new or in order to do this thing, they would have to maybe and another assignment that God had had them in for several years, or there's doubt, there's insecurity, there's fear. There's all the things that we face as women, as we faithfully take next steps in our calling. And so 
it could be any one of those things, but those are the things that women would often say is, okay, I feel my heart stirred, but here's what's holding me back. And so over the years, that was really the message that began stirring in me of really wanting to help women connect. How has God given me gifts and talents that I get to use for his glory and to build his kingdom? And how do I push through some of the obstacles that we face and see those things from a more biblical perspective? I think you and I would both probably agree. We've seen a lot of books hit the shelves in the last eight to 10 years that maybe have given us a lot of like gusto and encouragement to do big things, but aren't necessarily rooted in biblical truth. And so that was, this book is sort of my answer. I hope and pray to that is to sort of root us back into what does scripture say about the things that we bump up against and how do we point ourselves back to truth in that? It's not that we won't experience fear or doubt or any of those things, but where do we turn when we do? So that's kind of the journey me and the Lord have been on. Well, this message is, it's so needed and I'm i am just excited for it because I very much agree with you. And I know even for me, whenever I first got started in the online space, the verse God gave me to stand on was 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind, because to your point, fear and timidity were trying to hold me back from stepping yeah. out. You know, they were just like very real, very in my face. And I just, that that was my verse that I stood on and I still stand on. Mm -hmm. So I am just oh, so loving this message for multiple reasons. Let's jump into, you know, so in your um, fun fact that you shared, you mentioned that the clay earrings, which by the way, I love, I love that. Like they're, they're so fun. They're so fun. And I am curious before we even, you know, kind of go down this road, you do talk about in the book about viewing something as a hobby. And I would love for the women listening for the, us to go ahead and distinguish between something that's a hobby versus a calling and how we can mm -hmm. view those things differently and, and how, yeah, any, any thoughts you have on that? Yeah, I think it's a great question and a great thing to think about. And you know, as I've walked down this path of publishing, so using life experience as an example, I have sensed this thread, that's the word I'll use, this thread of feeling called to write, to speak, to encourage women for most of my life. I would view that as something God has called me to do in some different ways throughout my life. It's looked different in different seasons, right? But that's the the thread that if I were to pull that thread and think back 10 years from now and 10 years ago, I was in college leading girls in a Bible study at my church in my college ministry, right? And that was what God had for that season of me encouraging and discipling women. And, and now it looks like being involved in the life of my local church and writing books and podcasting and things like that. Who knows what it'll look like in the future, right? So those things change, but that thread of feeling called to encourage women in that way, I don't know that that will ever change for me, right? And so as you look to your own life coming to this conversation, I wonder what that thread is for you, right? What is that thing that you feel stirred to do to use your unique set of gifts and talents that are different than mine, that are different than Rachel's to impact God's kingdom? That's a calling, right? A hobby could be something, clay earrings would be a good example, something that is really restful, that feels really fun to you. You lose track of time when you're doing it right? You find yourself maybe 
researching how to try a different technique for the thing that you enjoy doing, or you just kind of get lost in it, but it's not necessarily something that you feel compelled or may, maybe a way that you feel, okay, this is, this is a ministry work God has called me to. This is just something that I can delight in and it brings me joy and I enjoy doing. And there, there is so much goodness and joy in that. And so I think that's how I would distinguish it. Um, and for this conversation, that's the thing I would leave us with is what is that thread that if you were to look across your life, uh, that you feel maybe God is leading you in that way to use your gifts and talents for his glory. I love how practical that question is. What's the thread? And, mm. you know, even I just think about myself and I'm like you in that I would say I'm an encourager and I love to encourage. And in fact, mm. I actually get more joy encouraging someone else in their like to, to finish something yeah. or to do something than even completing it for myself. It just brings me so much joy. But I remember thinking like even just now, as you're saying, what's the thread? And I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking of myself in high school. And I'm like, was I encouraged? I'm like, well, I was a cheerleader. So I guess I was encouraging that, you know, like just little <laughs> yeah. things that it, you may not have even thought were significant, but it is just that thing in you that's just when you look at different seasons of your life. What I really love also about what you just said, though, is it makes me have an open hand approach, if you will, towards okay, Lord, my call is this, like you said, I'm called to encourage or equip or, you know, as using your, our example of what we feel called to with women. But then the open hand part is, but Lord, you plant me where you'd like, like you said, yeah. like for, for a season right. you were with college girls and now here you are, you know, in, in it changes. And I do think sometimes that can trip us up when it changes and you're like, wait, hold on, wait, what's happening? And yeah. So do you want to speak to that piece of it? <laughs> I do. I do. And Rachel, this is a fun fact kind of behind the scenes. There's a chapter in the book that I originally did not have in my proposal that God really steered me towards as I began writing. And it's the chapter that gets asked about the most. And it is this idea of what happens when God prompts us to quit something. Mm. When when seasons change, when an assignment ends more quickly than we had imagined. How do we walk through that? I think many times we experience guilt and shame for stepping away from something when in fact God could be and likely is calling us into something new and a new way to serve him and build his kingdom. For me, the real the very real example of that was when I sensed that the ministry that I described earlier, the hat ministry was coming to a close. It was a beautiful season of ministry. But I felt so compelled to really hone in on my writing and speaking and, and to go in that direction. And I sat down with my mom one day, I tell a story in the book, and she looked at me and she said, you know, I wonder, do you, I, I just am kind of sensing that this season is coming to a close. Do you feel the same way? And immediately I just burst into tears because that ministry was so tied to what my mom had been through. So it felt so close to the heart. And I just will never forget. She looked at me and said, Rebecca, I saw you be faithful to what God called you to do. It was a beautiful season. You were faithful in it and you do not need my permission to move on from it. But if it helps you to hear me say, I saw you be faithful. And I know that and I'm praying that God will continue to lead you into this new season of ministry. Hear me say that 
Right. And so that's, that's kind of my heart here as well is like, you don't need permission to end that assignment, to start this maybe new season that God is leading you into. If that's something that you're, you're sensing these days, but, um, he will continue to lead you and, and you can take those faithful next steps. And, and there is no shame in that. There's no shame when an assignment comes to an end. And that's something that we will all experience this side of heaven. And so I think it's something that we don't talk about enough, you know? Yeah, I agree. And it, I almost also just had this visual of the assignment came to the end, but the thread didn't, you know, that's like right. the thread's still yep. there. So we're not, and I think it's a really good distinction to separate those two, because I think Sometimes we might feel like, oh, my passion or whatever is also being laid down. It's like, no, the thread's still there, but it just looks different. Yeah. And what God has forged in you and refined and built and carved into you in this work that you're doing now is in some way going to be necessary for where he's calling you next, right? I can look back across my life and see that even in my corporate job that I've felt, you know, many days of of feeling mundane and insignificant in, for many years, I was a recruiter. I got to spend all day, every day asking people great questions and hiring great talent for a couple of different organizations. Well, now just like you do as well, Rachel, I get to ask amazing people, great questions and talk about God's word and lead women in that way. And so God used that. He makes all things matter. Right. And so even if it's an assignment coming to an end or something that feels mundane, he doesn't waste it. And so I think it's important to remember that too. Absolutely. Okay. I want to jump to, you actually started the first chapter of the book by talking about your marathon experience. And I, I loved it because, so you and I have the same publisher and we didn't even know we both wrote a story about running a marathon in our books. I love that. <laughs> you know, for different reasons and, that. you know, but still, because I don't know about you, I definitely learned a lot of spiritual lessons. Uh, that marathon for me was extremely a very spiritual experience um, and very much just learning, oh, I have a weakness and the only way I will complete this is with the Lord's help. And I literally smiled through my whole marathon. Like it was the most fun I've had um, because I felt God call me to do it, you know, and I knew he was asking me to take one step at a time. And so I want to hear your marathon story and, and why, why that was important to you to to really just launch the book by, by sharing what you learned there. Ooh, yeah. I, I just like got chills thinking back over that experience because it was similar for me. The Lord taught me so much in that process about endurance and reliance on him. And it was such a powerful experience. And the story that really sticks out in my mind, my, I think it was my third one that I did was the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital Marathon in Memphis, Tennessee. You run through the grounds of the hospital, which of course was a special experience for me, having done work with them, with the ministry. And it was the second time I'd done the full and that particular day was very warm. I don't know how you do running in the heat, but I, me and heat and running do not mix well. And so I was really starting to struggle pretty early on in the race and was having heat exhaustion symptoms. I totally should have stopped, but I didn't. (laughs) And so I'd gotten past that point in the race where you walk through the grounds of the hospital. And so It makes me cry every time. And I thought I'd gotten through that part of the experience. And about mile 20, 
I came towards this bridge coming into downtown Memphis. I can close my eyes and I can see the bridge. I can see the family there underneath it. And there was this little girl sitting in a wheelchair and it was pretty clear that she was a patient and my name was across my bib um, as I was running. And so the closer I get to them, she can see my name. So she starts cheering for me and I get closer and closer to them. And I see that she's holding this poster in her hands and she's just cheering with all she's got. And the poster says the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is living inside of you. You can do this. So she's cheering, go, Rebecca, go, Rebecca, go. And I give her a high five as I pass by and I'm fighting back tears. And for those remaining 6.2 miles, that was what I said to myself over and over. Rebecca, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, that truth that we see in Romans 8 is living inside of you. You can do this. And I just took one step in front of the other, in front of the other. And man, as I look at, taking next steps in my calling and being faithful and walking that out, it looks a lot like those last six miles of that marathon. And it looks a lot like reminding myself of reminding myself of some of those biblical truths that, you know, maybe I memorized as a kid, I, you know, I, on a head level, I know that the Holy Spirit resides in us and we carry the very presence of God with us. But how do I live out my calling as if I know that's true? Right. And so that was one of the most powerful things I think that God showed me in that process of just in your weak, weakest moments. Um, it just shows your deep desperation and dependence on me. And um, that's that's the truths I want us to carry into those hard moments of our calling when we uh, we just need to remember those, you know. I have goosebumps like that visual. I'll never forget that visual and I will never see that verse the same again because of that. So thank you because I'm very visual and I know the listeners appreciate that as well. It's just that perspective switch, isn't it? And yeah. uh, it's so powerful. I I love that. And I, it makes me think of, well, two things it makes me think of. First of all, that when we just step out and say yes he mm-hmm. takes us places that we never dreamed of and actually places we couldn't have taken ourselves in our own strength. And yeah. I love to partner with God in that way. It usually takes me like going around and around in circles before me to, for so sometimes for me to remember, oh yeah, the same power that raised Christ from yes. the dead lives in me. Same. You know, it's like, I feel like sometimes he's like, Rachel, when are we going to remember this? Which obviously he's, he's, he's kinder than that. That's my own little, you know, interpretation sometimes for myself. But just that reminder is just powerful. And the other thing that I think of when I think about the marathon, so a quick story about when I did my marathon, and yeah. this relates to what you're just sharing here, is um, I, I've only done one. So that's one. If the Lord asked me to do another, then we will see. But for now, it's the one. And I joined a local running club to do it because I was thinking, mm. I don't want to run these super crazy long 20 milers on my own or whatever. And when I joined, they had running coaches for each pace group. And you were just supposed to tell them, yeah, I think I'm in, I think this is my pace. Well, of course, we all think, you know, maybe, or at least I did, thought a little higher of myself than maybe I should have. And, Uh you know, joined a little bit too fast of a pace group. And I didn't know it, but we went out for our first longish run. I think it was a five mile run. And, and 
I'm running and everybody in the group is just chit-chatting, having a great time. And I'm over there heavy breathing. I'm not going yeah. to heavy breathe into the mic right now, but you guys get the point. Heavy breathing. And my coach in that group runs up alongside me. He said, Rachel, you can't, you will not make it the whole race at this pace. You you're gonna, yeah. we have to bump you down a pace. If you if you want to complete the marathon, you're gonna have to bump down uh -huh. a pace. And of course, that was a humbling moment, but I was like, yes, sir. Because, yeah, my goal is to complete the marathon, right? Like, I was not That's going right. for an Olympic medal. I was just, I just want to complete it. That was my goal. Yeah. So I bumped down a pace, and it was so enjoyable because I was at yeah. my pace. And it makes me think about another thing that you do address in the book is that whole comparison that can come for us and mm -hmm. not staying in our own lane and looking at how fast somebody else is going or what they're up to and uh, do you want to speak to that a little bit now on just how that can really rob us of not only our calling, but even just the joy and the journey of it? I absolutely want to talk about it because it it matters so much. I think it it can be just such a distraction. And I know within the world that we live in, Rachel, it has crushed me at times, right? There were friends that got book deals long before I did when I felt like I was ready and and God clearly, you know, had a reason for delaying that progress or whatever. And it's so easy to get distracted by that. And something that we talk about a lot is, you know, watching your sister take a next step in her calling. That's not a personal loss for you, right? A win for the kingdom of God is a win for the kingdom of God and will never not be that, right? And so I celebrate that in you, Rachel, you signed your book deal before I did, right? And I remember seeing that come across social media and and so many of our friends, right? And and so in a very real way, I've I've had to live this out in the last few years of really taking a step back and saying, I celebrate God, what you are doing in her. And at the right time and in the right way, if you see fit, I can't wait for that to happen for me as well. But it's not a personal loss to me that my fellow sister in Christ is taking a next step in her calling, right? And so I think if we really, you know, go back to the truth of fixing our eyes on Jesus and the lane that he has called us to run in, it helps us remove a lot of those distractions. You know, Rachel, you live in a completely different community and have a completely different set of people that you get to impact and listeners that you get to encourage than I do. And that's a beautiful thing. And what if we both, number one, celebrated that in one another and number two, just faithfully ran in that lane that God has called us to run in, right? And we can do that in a way that I think just removes a lot of the distraction that we face. And sometimes that means putting some boundaries up. I've had to do that at times when I, you know, I'm sensing, you know, I remember when I was walking through my, my book proposal process, there were times when I had to just put some boundaries up of the time that I was spending online so that I wouldn't get discouraged by people who were maybe progressing at a different pace, right? I had to just be faithful where God was planting me. And so I think for the listener coming to this conversation, you know, you have your own version of that, right? And so really thinking through and praying through what, what some good boundaries are, and then just praising God for the lane that he's given you and taking the next step of obedience over and over again towards where God is leading. 
Yeah. And Rebecca, I think the thing I love also the most about this is it's opposite of the scarcity mentality. Like you said of just, yes, it's an advance for the kingdom, no matter who's carrying the torch, right? Like, Hey, if I'm not the one and she's carrying it, great. At least the kingdom is advancing. So let me just cheer her on while she carries the torch for now. Um, But then also it is just that there is no lack in the kingdom. I mean, our God is, he's got abundant resources. And so, yeah, that, that just that perspective. And, and I know for me, one other thing that can trip me up a little bit in this is is sometimes not just the comparison of, oh, oh, they got what something I was wanting, but also me just not hearing God for me, meaning Mm -hmm. like, just because the Lord asked somebody to do something one way, doesn't mean he's asking me to also do it that same way. Right. You know, like, and just hearing him, because if you look at throughout the Bible, he never repeated, like there was, there was only one parting of the Red Sea, you know, and that was their miracle. And that happened the once there. And so how crazy would it be if I walked up now to the Red Sea? It was like, okay, Red Sea, let's part, you know, and when it didn't, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not called. Wait, what? Like, I wasn't, I wasn't leading the Israelites out. Like, what, why would I think I should? also be able to part the Red Sea. Anyway, this is a yep. random tangent, but. <laughs> well, and your tangent is making me think of something. So I'll just say it here. In the opposite way, another struggle we can experience is, okay, well, I feel called to this, but there's already people out there doing it better mm. or different than maybe I would. And somebody called this out on a podcast episode a few weeks ago, and I've thought about it so many times since. And they said, okay, but what about the gospels. What about the accounts that we see that are repeated in multiple books of the Bible that God deemed necessary? And he had different mouthpieces pin those similar same stories in the inherent word of God. If that was necessary, then it's necessary to have your voice too in the area where maybe you feel called to to serve or speak or build God's kingdom. If that was the case in the gospels, then it's the case for our lives too, you know? That's so great because I had recently had an interview with somebody who's also written a book on body image. And there's nothing that brings me more joy than to actually partner with other people who act, who speak to the same topic as me. Yeah. Cause it's one thing to cheer somebody on who like you and me were different topics. Right. So it is pretty yeah. easy to be like, yes, go. And you, you cheer me. Cause like technically we're speaking to two different things. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? They're similar in s- some threads, but to, so anyhow, I'd interviewed this woman who she's written a book on body image and her and I did talk about how that exact thing. I love mm-hmm. though, the gospel, like I've never heard somebody say that piece that is fresh and that's a firm foundation that we can stand on because that's gospel, not just opinion. And so I love that. And in line with that, though, it is exactly like what you were saying a second ago that, well, yes, you know, body image has been spoken on before. And but however, like you said, I influence a different group of people and my Mm -hmm. voice is different. And just Mm -hmm. like the Gospels, I mean, they kind of even though it's the same story, there's a lot of the same key elements There's just enough of a different, like the Lord felt like, hey, we need to hear it from multiple angles. And just like the gospels, you can't hear it too much. When we're we're speaking truth from the word of God, you can't hear it too much. You just can't. Like, okay, let's all say it in different ways. And so I love that. I love that perspective. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So as we, we are coming to the end and I'm like, oh, there's still so many things we have not got to talk about. 
I'll tell you what, since we're coming to the end, I have questions, but let me let you, um, let me let you choose that if there's anything that's just on your heart with this message that you're feeling like you haven't had a chance to speak into, um, not just on my, my podcast, but any of the podcasts you've been on, just something that you want the listeners to hear about, about this yeah. message and their calling. Yeah, the thing that's coming to mind, I thought about it earlier, and maybe this is a statement that listeners can take and, you know, write it in your journal and, and think through in the days to come. And we we touched on this, but just how desperate we are for God to meet us in the hard moments of our calling. And we can get so overwhelmed in the midst of all the hats that we wear and things like that. And the truth that has really been powerful for me lately, especially walking through a book launch is just remembering. And here's the statement. The outcome is his, but the obedience, the faithful next steps of obedience, that's, that's on us, right? The outcome is his, the obedience is ours. And so I think if you were to hear me say anything in this episode, it's just that it's not all on or up to you, right? To accomplish the the calling that God has set out for your life. We get to partner with him in his work. And um, he is faithful to accomplish his, his purposes in our lives. Um, our job is just to take that next step of obedience. So I think that's what I would leave with everybody. Oof, that is a powerful way to leave us. And it makes me think of when I set out to write my book, a mentor told me, Rachel, success is obedience. And that just like, okay, yeah, like exactly. It's so good. Such a fresh reminder too. All right, so then tell us where listeners can obviously connect with you, get the book, share all the things. Yes, absolutely. I am the most active over on Instagram. My handle is at Rebecca George author, and you can go grab the book by visiting do the thing Perfect. And yes, we didn't even get to touch on. And so that's why listeners, you definitely have to get the book. You have a lot of practical things. Like obviously it's very encouraging, but also practical. And I am a huge fan of practical of saying, okay, let me encourage you and let me give you some practical steps. So that's exactly what it is. So definitely pick up a copy. And Rebecca, thank you again, just for taking time to come on. I love you and I adore you. And I can't wait for my listeners to meet you too. Well, I feel the same way. And I'm so grateful that you would have me. Thanks, Rachel. It is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. I love the message of Rebecca's book because I can relate on a deep level. In fact, if I hadn't stepped out years ago in faith, I wouldn't be sitting here recording this podcast episode right now. And it's just crazy to think back over the years, all the things that I said yes to even when I had no idea what I was doing and the Lord has just blessed it and helped a lot of people along the way. And I want that for you, no matter what that looks like. You may not be called to have a public facing ministry. That's okay, but you are called right wherever you're planted. So let's get practical with some processing questions. What did God last ask you to do? This might be something big, like writing a book or starting a new job, or 
God might have last asked you to go forgive somebody or go spend time with your husband. I don't know. What is the thing? What did God last ask you to do? And then next, are you doing that from a place of being? It's really important to me that you remember your identity is not in what you do, right? And in fact, I believe that until we get those things untangled, sometimes God won't even ask us to step out and do something different because he knows, oh no, your identity is still tangled up in what you do. So just remember, your identity is not in what you do, but we can have fun doing with God. We can be with God as well, right? But it's a blast to also do with him, to take on a project with him, to dream with him. It's really, really fun. So lean into that today. I do want to share with you a free download I have for you. It is a workbook that I created to help you overcome fear and pursue your God-given dreams. I use this to help women just like you overcome that fear so they can step out and do the thing God has called them to. You can download it at rachelgilbert.com forward slash overcome fear, or it's also there on the freebie section of my website. And also, don't forget, I know Rebecca already reminded you, but she has that new book that just released, Do the Thing. Get a copy of it. One, you're just going to be blessed by it, but also just support her and her ministry. It's a beautiful ministry. And so I know you're going to love that book. All right, let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for every single person who is sitting under the sound of my voice. I thank you that we get to be your children. And it's from that being we get to do. And I just ask that you bird the dreams in the listeners here, give them the courage to step out in that, and that they just get the joy of partnering with you, and that you open doors that only you could have opened. You close the doors that need to be closed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my friends, I do pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.